And I also wanted to give a special shout out to Oasis Church and the event they have there going tonight. Uh, the Hawkins family, uh, Pastor Joe and Angela, they have Lou Engel in town and Andrew Whalen and Chris Berglund. And uh, just wanted to say we are so with you and we've been praying for you all week and really just believing and expecting the Holy Spirit to move very powerfully. Um, had to tend to business here tonight and this weekend. Uh, but we are contending in prayer for you all weekend. Um, so blessed and, and edified by all three of you. And uh, so wanted to just throw that out there. Lord, just touch Lou and Andrew and Chris and Joe and Angela Hawkins and Oasis Church and the gathering there this weekend. Holy Spirit, come like never before at Oasis Church, and all over the city, and tonight, Lord. I pray here in this place, Lord, you would give us revelation from your word as I, as I uh, purpose in my heart to expound on prayer. Lord, I'm asking for ears to hear, for those in the room and those that are hearing this through Facebook and those that will hear the recording, Lord, give us Grace for prayer like no time in history. Lord, I ask in my own life, I ask for us here, I ask all over our city there would be a radical move of prayer, a historic grace to live a life of prayer and intercession and petition. Open your word to us tonight. Holy Spirit, come into this gathering, come into this city tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. The title of the message tonight is Prayer, the Church, and Intercession. So we're on our theme of prayer, and tonight we're going to specifically touch on the church gathering. As I write here in my introductory comments, We've looked at the subject of prayer in the secret place when it's two or three people because that, that's a corporate prayer meeting itself. But we've looked at praying alone, which Jesus talked about. We looked at the two or three person prayer gathering. We've looked at the, the necessary component of being persistent. That is what faith in prayer really manifests. It's not a feeling. It's not a rah-rah Faith in prayer, Jesus taught in Luke 18, looks like persistence. Also in James 5, uh, James talked about Elijah and how he prayed earnestly. Another way to say that is he prayed persistently. And so we looked at those components, but tonight we're going to look at the larger corporate prayer gathering because that's essential as well. So there's many ways to do prayer and we just have to kind of get lost in all the various kinds of prayer. And uh, whether we do it alone, or with, we're, we're with two or three, or we're in a corporate gathering, whatever, you know, I, I espouse that we do all of it, but prayer is essential to the life of the church. We we have to reclaim how essential it really is. 
You look down at letter B. The church was born in a prayer meeting. That's very revealing. That in Acts chapter 1 or 2, both, both Acts 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit broke in and birthed the church as we know it in a prayer gathering as if to validate that's the way forward. Now we know the early church did not interpret the upper room encounter as one and done because they kept going back to prayer all through the book of Acts and all through the New Testament. So they interpreted that birthing and and encounter coming to that prayer gathering as a validation of this is how you do ministry. You pray and you go out and preach and do life and come back and pray and go out and preach and do life and come back and pray. And that's just the way of life as a Christian. Now, it's certainly not the only thing we do. Now, I don't just only breathe. I do a whole lot of other things besides breathe, but if I stop breathing, things are going to come to a halt real quick. Prayer is like the breathing of the church. And we become very sickly very quickly if we are not breathing well. Prayer is like the life. It's like the the airflow of the church. It's like the, the blood flow of the church. It's just absolutely critical. And certainly not to be neglected. Now, this is all introductory comments. We'll get into the main text in a minute. Now, the Holy Spirit is emphasizing prayer in our generation like no time in history. And I believe that because we've so neglected it, the Holy Spirit is really emphasizing its importance in ministry like, you know, like it hasn't been emphasized in some time, perhaps ever since the early church. So there's many things to the Christian life that we have to do and believe and resist and pursue, but prayer really is to be central. Because it's been neglected in many ways, God is seeking to restore it. So we're seeing a movement of many houses of prayer and boiler rooms and prayer furnaces all over the world, and it's increasing by the year dramatically now if we think today that we can reach the highest effectiveness and fruitfulness without prayer which many churches are trying to be relevant cutting edge mighty in God but no prayer on the calendar that is a grave mistake And whether I could influence one or a million or a billion people, leaving prayer out of the church or out of ministry or out of the Christian life or the Christian family or Christian work is a grave mistake that we have to correct and we have to correct quickly. Every Christian church and ministry should have prayer meetings on the weekly and monthly and quarterly and annual calendar It's just biblical. It has to be. 
Prayer is the life of the church. Sort of, I always think of it as if a man and a woman who were married, if they just stopped talking, the relationship would suffer greatly. And if we stop talking to God, we stop hearing from Him regularly, the relationship suffers. And if whole ministries and churches do this, then they suffer greatly. We have to reclaim prayer. In Acts 2.42, there's a great, massive revival that breaks out in Jerusalem. And the apostles are ministering and thousands are getting saved. It says in Acts 2.42, and these new believers came to know Jesus, it said there was a few things they really focused on. One of them was doctrine, the things that the apostles were teaching, fellowship together, they embraced community, they ate together, they broke bread, and they prayed. There were three or four or five main things that they did. They embraced community, they shared meals together, they poured over doctrine, and they prayed. Now today what we're trying to do, in many cases, we're trying to hang out, eat food, sort of kind of get into doctrine, but definitely not prayer. That's just too demanding. We've left out a huge part of the apostolic early church's formative, basic, this is what you do. I put here in letter C that we find ourselves today in, in the 21st century Christian culture is far removed from the values that we see in the book of Acts and in the Bible. Very far removed from the value system of the early church, which is the faith that has been handed down or was supposed to be handed down generation after generation that we were to embrace. There is a very pervasive attitude in, among many believers today who view prayer as optional, devotion is optional, Bible is optional, obedience is optional, but they look at things like posting their scathing opinions on social media. That's essential. But prayer, Bible, obedience, going to church regularly, those are optional when in reality those are completely backward. There are many churches and ministries, they don't have any prayer meetings on the calendar at all. And not every church and ministry is supposed to do prayer all day, every day, but it it has to be in the life of the church. It just has to. And I don't think tonight that I would be going too far in saying that there is a crisis of prayerlessness in much of the global church that must be corrected. And I'm weak and you're weak and we're all weak, but we can't miss this subject of prayer much longer. We are in a literal, we are in a pandemic. We have racial strife, economy suffering. There's so many things happen in the world. And the church is supposed to have answers, but the church isn't in prayer. So we're just as disconnected often as the next guy who's an unbeliever. And the Lord says it doesn't have to be that way. We really need to, I mean, desperately need to reclaim the grace of prayer. Again, no one's doing it perfectly. There's no person or ministry out there that's just incredibly unbelievable. We're all so weak, but we have to really reach 
for the grace that is available specifically for prayer in this generation. Now let's turn over to Acts 12. We're going to read a few verses here. Acts 12, 1 through 19. This is really the heart of the message tonight. This is an example of a church gathering to intercede. About halfway through the book of Acts, we see Peter is put in prison. And the church gathers to pray, and there's a divine response. Let me read this right now. It says in Acts 12, 1, it says that about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. So the persecution breaks out. There was a season of peace, and now there's persecution. And the church needs both. Church needs seasons of peace and seasons of persecution to grow and mature the right way. In verse 2, it says, Herod killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, put him in prison, delivered him to the squads of soldiers to, be, to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover... And uh, so Peter was there in prison in verse 5, but, but, this is a really important word, but, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Very significant verse in the book of Acts. Everything was going one way, but... The people of God prayed. Bless you back there. When Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter, he's asleep. He's bound with chains. He's between soldiers. I mean, they're all over this guy. The guards before the doors were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying... Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him. He did not know that it, that it was an angel, that it was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them on its own accord. They went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was uh, Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Another significant verse there. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, this is funny, she did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Everyone else says to her, you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it, it is his angel. It's not Peter, it's Peter's spirit. 
which is funny that they believed that it could be his spirit more than it could be him. It's humorous. Peter continues knocking, and when the door opens, they see him, and they were astonished. He tells them, keep down, keep down, don't be too loud. And uh, he comes inside, and he tells them, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And uh, the story goes on a little bit there, but Peter's in prison, they pray, and he is delivered. Two specific verses that I want to point out. Excuse me. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him, for Peter, by the church. That's significant. Fast forward seven verses. He comes to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Now let's go down to letter A here. Just a few thoughts on this story because this this is a corporate prayer gathering. Again, the title of the message is The Church and Intercession. We're told here that the church had gathered to pray specifically, to intercede specifically for Peter's sake. They get together, and they begin calling on the name of Jesus. And it says in letter A, they were praying for him. They gathered to pray for one person, the neediest person right then, which was Peter the Apostle. So they gathered with this singular intercessory focus, and and that really is the essence of intercessory prayer. It's to lift up someone else. I say this often, but prayer is like an umbrella that has many forms of prayer underneath it. And so prayer is like this big subject and under it would be various categories of thanksgiving and petition and supplication and intercession and devotion and all these things. But intercession really is you're interceding, you're you're prayerfully engaging a very particular Uh, situation asking God to break into that very specific scenario. And so uh, they're lifting up Peter in this urgent divine, uh, asking for divine intervention. And it's, it's, you know, I I hate to split theological hairs, but it's different than just a regular prayer meeting. When people gather to intercede, they're, they're focusing in on one target for the duration until something breaks. You know, many, most, the majority of prayer meetings, you know, we just lift up general requests. Sometimes the Lord says, focus on this, and we pray and we intercede. Well, they knew Peter was in trouble and that if God didn't break in, he was a dead man. And so all, all prayer is powerful. You know, we, we, you know, there's no, as long as we're praying, it's powerful. Just sometimes we target the very specific need. Now, just a thought here, letter B, the church, it says that prayer was offered to God for him by the church. That could mean 
the people who were at Mary's house that Peter went to. It could mean just them, or it could mean there were many prayer meetings, but the story focused in on the one that was at Mary's. We don't really know all the details. But what we do know is if there were many prayer meetings, or if there was just the one house praying, the Bible says that's the church. The church was praying. It was inside of Mary's house. We're told many were praying there, and so the church was praying. Now, letter C, I think this is interesting. We don't assume that because someone is imprisoned for their faith, or if it looks like they're likely going to be killed, we don't assume that that's God's will for them. Many make the mistake of going, oh, he's in prison. He's supposed to be there uh, to reach the prison. Or he's supposed to die a martyr. Let's just let the will of God be done. We never are to assume really anything. We go to God in prayer. When someone's life is in danger, we intervene through prayer and through action. We don't just assume, well, this is that. He's going to glorify God because... When someone is in a, a, a dire situation, we, we turn to God. We don't just resign to, well, that's going to be how it is. We don't resign to our way of thinking because our thinking is fallible. We don't have all the facts. We don't know all the truth. We don't know what God's trying to do. So we go to God by faith because faith pleases God. And we say, Lord, do a miracle. Maybe it's time for a miracle. Maybe you want to take him, but we're going to fight for a miracle. That's the most appropriate way to go about it. Now, here's the interesting thing. Peter was told by Jesus that he was going to be martyred and that his death would glorify God. In John 21, 19... And people knew that. But it would have been a mistake to assume that it was then. Because obviously, as the story goes, God wanted to break them out. So the church didn't resign and kind of take like, well, it's the will of God, you know, he has that prophecy about dying for Jesus. So just No, the church knew better then and the church needs to know better now that when people are in dire situations it's our duty just like a doctor doesn't look at someone on a deathbed and say oh there's nothing I can do no the doctor tries the way we try as intercessors or prayer warriors is we pray and we have prayed at times where people were told by doctors there's no hope for them and we prayed and God did a miracle And I want to just get more and more of those miracles going. Because the name of Jesus deserves that there be miracles in the land. He's a miracle-working God, and we need to believe for that. We cannot nobleize our unbelief and say, well, it just is what it is. 
Now, when we're in prayer, we take the humble posture as those who are not fully informed. We don't know everything like God does. And so we don't know if the Lord wants to keep Peter in prison for a while or if he wants to break him out with an angel. We don't know. And so we go to God in prayer in a spirit of faith and say, Lord, you can do anything. Deliver him like you taught us to pray. Deliver us from evil. And yet, nevertheless, your will be done. If it is your will to take him now, then that's your will. But we don't know, and so we pray in faith. It's very important that we as intercessors acknowledge, just like any other Christian or any other human, we have such limited information. We, ha- we don't, when it comes to a, an experience, a, a subjective experience, we have Bible verses to go on, but we don't know God's, with certainty, we don't know God's will in, in many situations. And so we, we go to the Lord in prayer, we ask for a favorable outcome, but we do pray, Lord, we don't know what you want to do, but we ask that you'd break in. Break prison doors open. Come in power, God. Send an angel. Do a miracle. We pray that with faith. But God's God and He's going to do what He wants. But we do know this, scripturally, He answers prayer. It's not unbelief to pray that God would have mercy in a situation while acknowledging Lord, maybe there's something else you want to do that we're not thinking, but we're going to pray in faith. I love in the book of James, it says if there's anyone sick, call the elders, have them pray. Because there are so many Christians who when they get sick, they're so stuck in unbelief, they think, well, this is God's will for my life. No, 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 no. If you're sick, get prayer. Reach out to somebody. Get prayer. It could be that God breaks in and heals you. Don't just assume the worst, most negative outcome is God's will because you have limited information. You don't know the mind of God. And so humble yourself. Reach out for prayer. God might heal your cancer. God might heal your COVID-19. God might heal your flu or pneumonia or whatever you have. Just ask for prayer. There, I say this because there are many believers who look at faith as if it's naive and they look at unbelief as if it's noble. Many Christians today, they look at faith like where it says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith we cannot please God. They look at that same faith and they say that's a little bit naive. The rest of us who are really noble, we're in unbelief. We know God can't do that. And there are just it's just pervasive in the body of Christ. Spirit of unbelief is everywhere. There is unbelief being preached. There's unbelief being prayed. There's unbelief everywhere. And the Lord says, don't go there. Get in a spirit of faith. It's faith that pleases God. You pray huge. You pray big. 
God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all you ask, which is prayer or think. And so you pray big. You dream big. You pray big. You go for it. And yet, as Jesus prayed, Lord, I don't know your will, so your will be done. I mean, we see in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Jesus was praying really big right before his crucifixion. He was basically saying, Lord, I don't really want to do the cross. This is going to be horrible. If there's any other way, please do it. Nevertheless, your will. I'll, I'm willing to die. But if there's another way, because in my humanity, I don't know everything. I mean, Jesus, fully man, fully God. The Father gave him certain information. He didn't have omniscience. Yep, give me a minute. We're almost done. Not yet. And so again, as intercessors, my recommendation to anybody watching or listening, pray really big, pray scriptural, pray in a spirit of faith, and then your conscience sometimes goes, well, but you don't know everything. And so a lot of times I'll just say, Lord, I don't know your will, so nevertheless your will be done. But I really do ask you to break in with healing because I know you're a healer. I know you love to heal. I know you don't heal every time and I don't know why, but I pray for healing. And yet, if some other way moves you more and, and you want to do something else, we say, yes, Lord. You know, we're not God and so we don't have all the information, but... We, we go to him in faith. I love that prayer of Jesus. He's like, Father, I'm just about to get crucified. If there's any other way we can do this, I'm asking that you would do that, but nevertheless, your will, not mine. That is such a crucial prayer. Stay in faith, intercessors. Stay in faith. Maybe you've seen a thousand prayers unanswered. Pray the thousand and one, thousand and two, thousand and three, because they will begin to get answered. Don't lose heart, Jesus said, Luke 18, 1. Don't give up. Keep praying. Will he not avenge his elect who pray day and night? He will. He will do it. Now, letter E, there's a very humorous part to this story. Peter's broken out of prison, knocking on Mary's front door or his, the gate there, whatever, outside the door. Uh, he's knocking on the door. They see him. They don't even believe it's him. They, they thought it was more likely that his spirit had showed up versus flesh and blood Peter, which kind of goes to show you they're praying for Peter to get delivered they don't really think it's going to happen. And so it goes to show you, you read between the lines. You, you're able to, to you know, surmise. There wasn't a lot of faith in that prayer meeting. And yet God still broke in with an angel breaking Peter out. And there was this divine thing. So they probably felt like this isn't going to work. It probably wasn't an incredible prayer meeting. They were, they were probably incredibly depressed like our leader our pastor 
is in prison and they're butchering leaders all over the place. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's dead. Like Herod is like killing all of them. And what do we do? So they, you know, they're like, kind of like, Lord, break it. And it happens though. It happens and they could barely believe it. Now, letter F, I'm just going to conclude with this. This story is one of many in Scripture that goes to show us when the church gathers for corporate prayer, and sometimes the gathering is just out of sheer urgent necessity, something very uh, urgent is needed, and so we just got to get together and pray. This really is, brothers and sisters, this is how the kingdom works. There's an urgent need, and so we gather for prayer, and we cry out to the Lord, and sometimes He breaks in in ways that blow away our expectations. I believe many times things happen that we don't notice but sometimes it's just a clear, instantaneous, mind-blowing breakthrough. And we have to understand this is how God operates. This is, this is the church in its function as an intercessor, as a, as a priesthood. This is what we're called to do. We're called to gather and pray. We never know how powerful of an answer that will come if we simply get together. Sometimes it's twos and threes. Sometimes it's a whole house. Sometimes it's a church meeting. It's a little more interesting these days because of the pandemic and the rules. Sometimes, you know, it's, we're, we're getting creative now, but in the future, we're going to pack those stadiums again. Beloved, when we pray, heaven opens, angels come, people get delivered. Death sentences are crossed out. God reverses things. Now, what's really weighty about this story is Peter is delivered out of jail. The guards who were guarding him, they were executed because they failed to do their job. So the church prayed one man out of prison. His deliverance meant the execution and the eternal sealing of their fate for those guards. And so prayer, folks, prayer is a weighty thing. And if it's that weighty, we should not neglect it. Life and death hang in the balance of our prayers. We, we need to understand that this is, a, this is a serious calling and we must embrace it as much as we can. Oftentimes, the prayer meeting is so impractical and it puts a constraint on our schedule. Not yet. And it's very often not convenient, especially when it's most important, go to the prayer meeting anyway. If your local church has a prayer meeting and you're not going to it, you're missing God. I just got to say that as clear as that. If your church has prayer meetings that you're not attending, you are missing God. You are missing your opportunity to be a priesthood and to, uh, you know, shift heaven and earth through your intercession. 
Almost done, buddy. Caleb wants to get this going. The question I want to leave you with tonight, what if they didn't pray? What if Peter was put in prison and everybody at Mary's house said, let's play video games tonight. It's just too depressing. Everybody's dying. Let's play Fortnite. Nothing against Fortnite, nothing against video games. What if they didn't pray? The likelihood is that an angel would not have come, Peter would have stayed in chains, and he would have been a dead man, and we wouldn't have seen much of the fruit that we saw after that. Friends, a lot happens when we don't pray. It's not a source of condemnation, but we have to reclaim the grace to really go at prayer. I'm I'm asking for it in my own life, and I'm asking for it in the lives of any who I can influence, whether through preaching and teaching or through prayer. Friends, let's get back into the place of prayer, daily prayer, weekly prayer, monthly prayer. Go at it. You never know what's going to shift because you show up at the gathering, whether it's two or three, a household full, a stadium full, whatever it might be. And so we'll end right there tonight the church and intercession. We'll post this here on Monday. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful evening. We'll see you next time. Let me just do a quick prayer before you sign out there, buddy. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I ask that you would use this teaching and use the things that have been shared tonight to strengthen the body of Christ. Help us to pray like never before. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.